You ever wonder what it would be like to uh, have walked with Jesus 2,000 years ago? Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, put your sandals and bathrobe on and walk back 2,000 years on the dusty roads of Galilee. Incredible to see the miracles firsthand and to witness. I, I, you've read the Gospels, haven't you? And how would you long to say, oh, I just wish I could be a fly in the wall at, at Jairus, the synagogue ruler's house, when Jesus rebuked death and his little daughter came back alive. Or I wish I could have just been a bystander there at Bethany when Jesus hollered at his friend in the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. Or I wish I could, oh, of all things in the world, I wish I could just have been nearby on that Easter Sunday morning when the resurrection and the life identified himself and came from the tomb in glory, proclaiming himself to be the Son of God in that magnificent miracle of all miracles, the resurrection. I mean, longing to see Jesus. The disciples, Jesus said in John 16, 5, but now I am going to him who sent me, and yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. He's getting ready. He's giving them his goodbye his goodbye teaching, his goodbye instructions, and sorrow is filling their heart because these people didn't just wish that they were there, they were there. They were there when the, uh, the 5,000 were fed. They were there when the 4,000 were fed. They were there when the dead were raised and demons were cast out and blind eyes were opened. I, I've been living in John 9 the last couple weeks and, and uh, walking in, in John 9. It's kind of the way I study scripture is just take a chapter and just live in it for a couple weeks. Just read it three or four times a day and just, just soak in it and, and just, just dwell in it. And it's just amazing. I'm mean, here, this man's born blind. The disciples were there and saw it, saw this man's sight turn on. I mean, this man has never seen before. He had to look at someone and say, what is that? Oh, that's something green. I mean, he had to learn all these things because he had never seen before. I mean, what a dramatic miracle. And the disciples were there, and they saw this. And Jesus went on to say to them in verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. I mean, here he is, the leader, the Messiah, capital M, the anointed one. And he's saying, I'm getting ready to go, and it's really good for you that I'm leaving. And that didn't make any sense to them. Why would it be good that he's leaving? I mean, he's just been resurrected from the dead. But look what he says. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's saying, it's good. You've walked with me. This part of, of your spiritual development has been fulfilled. But there's something even greater for you to encounter because of where you are in your spiritual maturity. There's something even more fantastic that will become accessible to every one of your lives. And that is the person and work of the Holy Spirit. He said he would send another comforter, another counselor. And I'm not a big Greek person, but the word paraclete, which I'm sure you've all heard before, which simply means one who's called to stand alongside, to assist, to help. It's the same word that's used in uh, the first epistle of John that says when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. That's the same word. We think of that as a legal term, one that's there to help us, counselor, comforter, helper. That same idea. He's saying, I'm going to send you another counselor, another comforter, another of the same kind to come and stand alongside you and help you. He's going to be with you forever. Jesus had the spirit without measure, the Bible tells us. We have the spirit with measure, right? But has any one of us ever plumbed the depths of the magnificent possibilities that there are in truly living a spirit-saturated life? 
If there was a scale of, say, 1 to 10, and you could mark yourself on there from 1, having just minimal experience with the Holy Spirit, to 10, where would you place yourself? I think all of us would look at the scale and say, boy, there's a whole lot more that I've not experienced. It's like going to a great Chinese buffet like we went to this afternoon. Man, it was dynamite. They even had squid salad there. I didn't eat any, but I just marveled at uh, the chef preparing that. But if you position yourself on that scale and, and we begin to say, how much have I experienced? How much more? Can you imagine what it would be like just to live 24 hours saturated in the Holy Spirit? Well, who says you can't? Jesus said it's good. It's better. We, we say, oh, I, I wish I could walk in the days of Jesus. I wish I could be the fly on the wall. I wish I could be an innocent bystander even just to see. And Jesus says, no, you're living in a better day. In John 14, 12, probably one of the most quoted scriptures out of John 14, it says what? Greater works than these will you do because I'm going to the Father. But what is the significance there of him going to the Father? Because he's going to the Father to send the Holy Spirit to us. Not greater as in bigger and better, because how do you top raising the dead? But greater numerically, because there would be more of us anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 